FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 272 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable, and it's a bonus episode. We're going to talk about some modern history, if you will. I finally had time to, uh, well not sit down. This is not a sit down and one read. This is a uh, multiple sit down reads, but I was finally able to uh, take the time to sink my teeth and get through the rest of X-Men Grand Design. And I know in these first two chapters, there's not much Logan, but I did find a little bit in there. So we're going to talk about that um, and just kind of the project overall. And then um, we'll also have some bonus coverage of uh, some of Adam Warlock's history, which includes a uh, Wolverine adamantium skeleton. In, uh, <laughs> so we'll talk about that as well. But before we get to that, guys, we have some legit Wolverine news on the Logan front. Um, I have to specify, you know, because Laura is a super cool Wolverine as well and, and very much deserving of the title as, you know, if you listen to my show, you know know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, regardless, Logan is coming back and apparently will at some point maybe look to re- reclaim the title of Wolverine. I still wish they'd... You know, just do just Logan for a while, but, you know, we will see. But anyway, we talked a little bit before about The Hunt for Wolverine by Charles Soule and David Marquez and how excited I am about that. And um, we've been talking about that on the uh, Facebook page as well. But we have some more news, some more uh, hunting season is being extended, if you will. Uh, there's going to be four miniseries that spring out of The Hunt for Wolverine. with And uh, creative teams have been announced, and so... We'll kind of run through that a little bit here. Um, so first of all, I did not know. I mean, it makes sense. There's nothing contradicting this before. I just kind of made me my own optimistic hopes. Didn't realize that the uh, the Hunt for Wolverine by Soul and Marquez is just a one-shot. I thought maybe it was a miniseries. Like I said, have nothing to base that on. I just kind of wished <laughs> that it was a miniseries. But apparently it's going to be a one-shot. And apparently it's going to raise some questions, especially for uh, not just readers, but like, you know, people in the Marvel Universe, particularly uh, those closest to Logan. Uh, I'm going to have some questions about, you know, why is he back? Is this really him? What's going on? And so these four miniseries are going to explore those stories and themes, I guess, as we get ready to, you know, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um, hedge my bets on what is probably very very obvious to everybody but pretty sure it's really him and he's gonna really be back but i don't know i guess they could do something funny (laughs) you never know but um anyway let's talk about these stories obviously solar marquez that's an exciting team up um for the hunt for wolverine one shot um looks looks to be pretty awesome but there's four other series uh, these are going to be coordinated by Soul, uh, and of course, if you remember, he did Death of Wolverine, and which was pretty good, and also was one of the main creative forces behind Wolverines, 
which uh, we pretty vocally disdained here on the podcast that Ghost Nicked. Didn't love it as much. Um, you know, that's that's kind of our relationship with Soul, very up and down, right? By the way, so I can be positive and love on people. Is Daredevil and Darth Vader both awesome? Probably said that before, but, you know, we're saying it again. Anyway, he's going to do the, uh, the one-shot. And he will also be doing one in the series, uh, kind of the first series. And they're, they're given these titles and descriptions. So they're calling this a noir series, which will be Hunt for Wolverine, colon, Weapon Lost. Um, so that will be Charles Soule and artist Matteo Bafagni, um, which they list him as Amazing Spider-Man artist, which I know he's done. I remember his work, or his work more stands out to me when he's uh, done some Issues here and there, also with Charles Soule on Daredevil. Um, you know, kind of when Garney was, was out or, or alternating. Uh, he was one of the artists that came in and did some issues of Daredevil in the latest run with Charles Soule. And uh, pretty good art. I like it. So this should be pretty interesting. Um, let's see, this one. Oh, wait. Maybe they give descriptions later. So anyway, that's that one. Um, so Tom Taylor, of course... Uh, Wolfie Award winner Tom Taylor uh, is going to write Hunt for Wolverine colon Adamantium Agenda with R.B. Silva whose art we've been enjoying on X-Men Blue Um, so that that seems like a pretty good team up Um, She-Hulk writer Mariko Tamaka and, uh, and then artist Butch Geis who most recently did Black Panther and the Crew. There's going to be a horror tale. Oh, so the uh, Hunt for Wolverine Adamantium Agenda, that's going to be a high-action series. We know Tom Taylor can do that. Um, and and Silva can draw that as well. So there's going to be a horror tale called Hunt for Wolverine Claws of a Killer. Now, Mariko Tamaka has thrown, maybe not as much as I thought originally it was going to be, but she's definitely thrown some some horror elements into her Hulk run and, and as it transitioned into She-Hulk. Um, pretty good writer. Uh, not as not like horror Hulk like you would think of like maybe the old uh, Bruce Jones run, but still there's that, that, I don't know, that psychological aspect of her writing. So I think she can definitely pull something off here. And, um, you know, Butch Geis, uh, pretty solid artist. So um, we'll see how that goes. That looks to feature... More of our Weapon X type characters, uh, Sabretooth, Lady Deathstrike, uh, Dawkins, maybe, stuff like that. So that'll be interesting to see what she does with that. Maybe the, I mean, it says Claws of a Killer. So I would expect some some blood and brutality in that one. And then the fourth series, fresh off Avengers No Surrender, uh, will be Jim Zub writing a book with Chris Piccolo. It's being termed a dark romance. And it's going to be Hunt for Wolverine, Mystery, and Madripoor. And we see some of these uh, covers here. All the covers are going to be by Greg Land. And there's some pretty decent covers here. I mean, I've we've kind of gone on record that the Land is doing some of the best work of his career. And these covers are pretty good. Now, this thing to view the gallery is not working. So I think I had another link. Hold on. That actually showed the covers. 
And the weapon lost one. It looks like it has uh, Misty Knight, Daredevil, people looking for Wolverine. Um, like actually trying to find him. I guess that would be the noir part. Noir part. Um, hold on. I think I'll have to go to Bleeding Cool to get the covers. <laughs> so we have the, uh, the Weapon Lost cover. Like I said, it has Misty Knight and Daredevil and uh, a shadowy Wolverine and kind of a bullseye type thing. And it's like rain on the street. So pretty cool looking cover. And looks like it'll have kind of the street level tones as people are looking and investigating, right? Kind of an investigative book. Uh, the Action 1 Adamantium Agenda on the cover has Iron Man, Luke Cage, um, Spider-Man, and I'm guessing Jessica Jones. Um, that's usually when we have a brunette in street clothes right now. That's usually who that is. Um, and an, an exploding Wolverine skeleton in the background. So it looks like, you know, the, I'm guessing that'll have to do with Adamantium. Maybe the tomb or like his... Where he was encased in adamantium, maybe have to do with that. How, you know, how did he get out? What happened to it? Stuff like that. That can be exciting. Um, Claws of a Killer, like I said, the cover features Deathstrike, Sabretooth, and Dawkin. So um, expect some some gore there, or at least some brutality. Maybe not not like blood splashy, but you know, pretty brutal, violent. I would guess. The Mystery of Madripoor, uh, the dark romance one, uh, features Psylocke. Domino Jubilee, yay, with her back with her powers restored. Uh, Storm and Rogue. So, all these look pretty fun, and I'm pretty stoked. So, why don't you let us know what you think? Are you excited about these books? Do you like the creative teams? Have you been reading these guys? I mean, all these writers I'm pretty familiar with and pretty on board with for the most part. Um, and yeah, yeah. I mean, the art all sounds pretty good. So um, I think it should be for a good time. I think these all come out uh, starting in the next few months. So, of course, obviously, obviously, we will cover them here on the podcast when they come out. But yeah, I thought it was pretty exciting news. So I wanted to just kind of throw all that out there for a few minutes at the front of this bonus episode. So anyway... That's that. Like I said, tweet at me and get on the Facebook page. Let me know what you think. What, maybe, why don't you let me know which one you're looking most forward to if you so desire to have that conversation. Um, let's see. I guess I should answer that too. Um, man, I kind of... Mm, right, story-wise, the one that sounds most interesting to me would either be the first one... Um, the Hunt for Wolverine, oh, I closed the link, damn it. Hunt for Wolverine, Weapon Lost, just because, I don't know, something about Daredevil and Misty Knight trying to hunt down, like, clues. Like, sounds like a fun fun read to me, plus the art. Um, but also, I'm really interested to see what uh, Maka brings, and of course, Tom Taylor. I mean, that's going to be really fun as hell. Um, so all of these look pretty great. But I guess not not reading a page of any of them. I guess my my pre-release guess is going to be I'm most excited about Weapon Lost. But um, very very stoked about all of them. Um, and you know we'll be talking very very soon next episode about uh, 
X-Men Red and Tom Taylor and see what's going on with, with Laura Wolverine and Honey Badger and their continued adventures and super stoked to see what happens, you know, there too. So, um, little teaser, uh, that'll definitely be, a, a focus of the next show with Dan and Georgie. So, um, if you want to hear some red, red talk, uh, you want to definitely tune in for that. So anyway, moving right along, like I said, finally got to digest and, and let X-Men Grand Design kind of simmer in my brain. Um, this, of course, is by Ed Pisker. Um, I think, yeah, like pretty much solely by him. Um, and he, you know, lately he seems to have been doing these kinds of projects. I gotta say, I will probably try to check it out eventually. I don't really know about uh, the hip-hop family tree thing until... You know, news about this book came out, and it's it's on my list of things to to get to one of these days. Um, but I don't know. I mean, Ed Pisker, or yeah, Ed Pisker is kind of a kind of a wild card for me. I don't really know what to expect going into this. I knew uh, uh, after the news was announced and we started seeing some preview pages. I, I followed the guy on Twitter, um, and seems to be a pretty cool guy, and is definitely very invested in this project. Um, it seems to be a pretty decent guy, which <laughs> yeah, some some of my opinions of some creators, the, the balloon has burst a little bit, but um, this isn't really the, the show for that right now. And a lot of them still seem really, really awesome. So we'll just focus on that. And th- he seems to be a guy that seems to be pretty cool. Uh, his love for X-Men is very, very obvious. And his attention to this project is, is super, just, it just bleeds from the page. It's kind of chronicling of... The first, I don't know, what would you say, like decade, I guess, of X-Men in these two books. Um, it's really everything from X-Men 1 up until getting ready for giant size. So it's like everything until we get ready to introduce, you know, my X-Men, <laughs> if you will. You know, as a kid, right? Um, obviously, all the X-Men are my X-Men now, but... um you know, the giant size team with Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, you know, those guys are my guys. Um, but anyway, so this, you know, I really wanted, and part of the reason I was late on this is uh, I missed the first issue and had to wait and find another copy of it, which I was very sad. And I looked at the option of maybe reading this digitally. You know, I don't necessarily have to have physical copies of everything I read. I'm not, not in that stage now, especially as I'm running out of room in my comic room, um, having to get rid of some stuff. So, you know, with that is, is having a little more control on what comes into my collection physically. Um, but I really wanted, and Andrew really tipped me off on this, that I needed to really read it in paper. Um, part of it is because it's, it's done on kind of this old newsprint paper. It even has like a yellowy tone to it. And the art really looks cool in that format. So I'm glad I waited till I could get it um, in my hands and sit down and read them. You know, kind of, like I said, over a few days, just kind of sat down and digested both volumes. Um, you know, it's really interesting the way he tries to tie everything together and make like a cohesive story. But he doesn't just pull things from that era, he pulls things that we find out about later, right, and ties it all in. So maybe he takes a few liberties with some things. You know, for example, our Logan scene. Um, we see um, 
Well, let me back up. So all this kind of starts as like the watcher gets this guy recorder. Um, who is like a little robot cassette player type guy. And um, he's going to record the history of the mutants. And um, so this, the book is kind of, that's the premise. And so he kind of gives us some uh, continuity um, loving and then tries to tie everything together, including like Professor X's history, you know, and going all the way back to Namor as the first mutant to be revealed. Um, so anyway, obviously we, we go back to World War II, and now we know that Logan and Captain America had some adventures together, so we see one of those little adventures. And in this particular encounter, or recounting of the story, they see Magneto, after he escapes from the, the uh, concentration camp, and he's surrounded by some soldiers and being beaten, and he senses some metal nearby, and he pulls Cap's shield out, and just in this really cool panel, he's kind of just sitting in the middle, and you see like this Cap's shield run around the panel, busting up all these Nazis. And then he kind of sends it back where it came from, and Cap catches it, and he and Logan decide they're not going to um, pursue anything. Uh, you know, Cap was like, hey, let's see what happens, and Logan's like, oh, come on, and then the this happens with the shield, and Logan's like, well, I thought you weren't going to do anything. What did you do that for? And Cap's like, I didn't do that. <laughs> My shield did that by itself. Um, not really knowing that Magneto's a mutant, and I guess, to be fair to say, at this point, he doesn't really know that Wolverine's a mutant. Um, interestingly enough, we do see some bone claws, so unlike that big, really cool issue with Jim Lee, uh, with Cap and Black Widow uh, in World War Two, where we the only time we see claws is he grabs a weapon to fake the claws um, because at that point in continuity, bone claws didn't exist. Um, now, of course, we see that they were there and apparently known, which kind of offers an interesting question. You know, would he have... You know, it's kind of the, the, the retcon, the no prize, reading that old Jim Lee issue is that you say, well, he just didn't want, you know, Captain America or the U.S. military or whoever to know that he had claws, because that might chip off he was a mutant. So there's two ways to kind of play this. You can say, oh, I'm disappointed that Pisker made the choice to, to let Cap see the claws, because, you know, it maybe changes what would have happened to Wolverine, like if Captain America and the military knew. But it also really lends some cool kind of backstory to Captain America that he knew Wolverine was maybe not a mutant, maybe he didn't know what a mutant was, but or to say other, something different, unique. And he didn't take advantage of that or like try to turn him over to the military or, you know, get him like investigated or, or turned in for research. Like he respected what Wolverine was and that shows the kind of American ideal of acceptance and tolerance even back in World War II, which of course, we, you know, we like to rewrite because if you read the really old old cap issues if you read those um there's some kind of latent racism that goes with world war ii america um particularly towards our uh, our friends of japanese descent um but anyway enough of that that's just kind of one of those misfortunate or unfortunate things um of the time but, but anyway i think it's really cool if you look at this now on this page and the cap knew that logan had claws 
and still was like, hey, yeah, you're gonna work. We're gonna work together. We're gonna go on these, do these missions, these operations, you know, between U.S. and Canada. And hey, man, cool, claws. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he worked with other superheroes too, right? In the in the kind of refurbished history of you know, like the original Defenders and stuff like that. So I think it's a cool little addition. Um, like I said, I don't know if we have other stories where Cap knows about the claws back in the the Great War, but um, I know that's wrong. History's wrong. Back in World War Two, anyway, the war to end all wars, um, which obviously happened. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of cool, and I thought it was kind of cool that they ran into Magneto as a youngster, and he even interacted with the Shield. Um, just an interesting little play. That's really our only Logan appearance. And like I said, Take Some Liberties kind of fills in some details like with Professor X and, and Juggernaut and that relationship there and um, kind of the way the team comes together uh, uses some of those backup stories from the old 60s X-Men to kind of change some of the chronology Um but overall, the story's pretty cool. Um, not a whole lot of, like, great revelations in these, but just the way it's put together and the care it's put together, whether you like every choice he makes to kind of maybe slide things around a little bit, I think can be argued, but there's no doubt this guy is passionate about this project and about trying to put together a cohesive synopsis of X-Men history in a way that is I won't say easily digestible you definitely gotta take the time to sit down and read this but definitely a lot a lot faster than going through all the issues and trying to put it together mentally yourself like here's a guy that did the homework for you especially you know for me like I've read all these stories you know and so to me it's just more of an interest like seeing okay how does he decide to juggle this and that but, like, if you're a newer reader and you haven't had the chance to read all the X-Men stuff, um, you know, from back then, then I think this is a really cool opportunity to get a more streamlined version of the history um, and see how it kind of all fits together, at least through one perspective. And so, with that in mind, I think it's a really cool thing. Um, the art style is definitely different, uh, kind of newspaper-y. Um, Kind of reminds me of, uh, I don't know, kind of your more independent art of like back in the day, like, uh, what's the American Splinter guy? Harvey Picor. Um, and my, my friend Jake, who runs Awesome Comics in Dallas, kind of similar to his style as well. Um, kind of that, I don't know, kind of that really, really independent style. Um, and it works really good on the newsprint with the colors and everything. Um, and just, it really works. It just, it really comes together in a nice package visually, storytelling wise. Um, like I said, not a whole lot like brand new information, but an interesting take on everything. And anyway, I just, I really enjoyed reading it. Um, really respect the amount of work that went into this. Um, man, it just, it <laughs> You can tell, like, you can see why there's going to be a, a pretty good delay between now, <coughs> excuse me, and when, you know, he does 
chapter three, which will kick off like the giant size era of the, you know, the all new, all different X-Men, um, which I'm very much excited about now as well. Anyway, I, you know, just on principle, I think minimum that X-Men grand design would deserve is five out of six claws. Um, for both volumes, I think it's, I think it's cool. I think it's worth the read, whether you've read the old stuff or haven't. Whether it's interesting, you know, kind of perspective or new information, I think either way it holds a lot of value. I'm very glad that I, I read this and that I did it on paper. You know, I, I think a very solid five out of six clause. I also really like. There's a couple of things he does too. Um, he has like a plaque, Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. And lists like the students. Um, and so for anyone that contributed to works that he took from for that particular issue, there are names listed. And lots of really great X-Men creative names on these plaques in, in both these issues. The other thing you get that's really cool is additional reading, which uh, was put together by Darren Jensen and Jeff York. And basically gives you a page-by-page breakdown of everything that Pisker did on the pages, like where you can read those stories or at least where the information came from in in the old comics, whether it be old X-Men or old Avengers or, you know, whatever else it might have come from. Like, they give you a list. And even the stuff that he jumped forward to pull back also referenced. So it's a really cool, I guess, bibliography, I guess is the right way to say that. Um, anyway, just really, really neat I highly recommend getting both issues of X-Men Grand Design and, and adding it to your collection. And I'm going to back up Andrew here. I'm going to back his play. Highly recommend, if you're able to, and I know not everybody will be, but if you're able to, if, if you haven't missed the boat, or, or and I know there's also reprints coming up, but anyway, if you're able to and you have the means and the opportunity to find a copy, highly recommend reading it on paper and getting that that experience of reading like old comics, you know, with the old newsprint paper and, and everything. It's just, it was a really neat, really neat thing to do. All right. Well, I said we'd have some more history as well. Uh, we're going to talk about Adam Warlock's history uh, in Infinity Countdown, Adam Warlock number one. This is written by Gary Dugan, art by Michael Allred, colors by Laura Allred, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And the cover is by Aaron Cooter and I've seen ya, maybe. I don't really know, not very confident in that, but yeah. Anyway, it's a pretty cool cover. We have Adam Warlock surrounded by some astral energy floating in space, almost making a Moses-like pose. Um, it's a pretty cool cover. Pretty cool cover indeed. And it's recolored on the title page, like a close-up. Also looks really cool. So if you read the last final for now issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, you know that Adam Warlock has been reborn into the future from one of his cocoons and Kang was responsible. Well, this picks up right where that left off and Kang basically gives us a both past, present, and future history lesson involving Adam Warlock. Um, I really like Allred's design, uh, new design on Warlock. Um... Kind of has, what, what was his book he did? Um, Madman, right? I think that's what it was called. Kind of had, like, w- the guy had the lightning bolts, and now Adam Warlock has this uh, 
black suit with red sleeves and a big yellow lightning bolt on his chest. Kind of reminds me of that a little bit. He also has the staff. And so I got to confess, and I'm going to rely probably on sending some tweets and emails to my friend, Alison Daniel, who of course has the Resurrections, Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, which I will be on a near upcoming episode uh, talking about an old adventures comic really really fun i uh, had a lot of great time doing that now has been on our show as well uh he did the um Gehenna stone affair and flashback episodes flashback anyway he is uh i guess kind of my resident marvel cosmic expert and i gotta admit you know i'm looking forward to getting to those stories in my marvel reread haven't really read much of any Adam Warlock in the past. So the, this issue, while being entertaining, leaves me with a lot of questions. Um, just, or not really questions like, what? What's going on? But I just don't know. Like, you know, when did this happen? Or how does it kind of relate to what's going to happen as we search for the Infinity Stones moving forward? And, you know, of course, obviously, we will be tied into Logan's return as well. Anyway, Kang is trying to show Adam Warlock how important he is. And we see lots of flashbacks of past Warlock stories at the time when he fought Thor. And about his creation. And his cocooning. And how the High Evolutionary did something. That was probably important. And how he fought like his reverse self. Right? And then, um... Oh, by the way, really cool panel of him like in this triangle. Almost a Pink Floydy type panel. Um, and all the by the way all the, the pages have like this hourglass in the corner anyway we see when he went inside the soul stone which we remember that from Guardians of the Galaxy because Gamora and Sax Drax are both in there um, then he shows the Kang some future where this these planets blow up and how Adam Warlock needs to help stop it but then we also see Infinity End approaches and I don't know it's hard to tell looking at the costumes. Is this now like coming up? Or I think this is probably looking at the costumes. See, I want to say like Wolverine's costume and She-Hulk's costume and Gamora's costume makes it feel like you know, maybe this was the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. But then you have Jane as Thor. So maybe this is like heroes from different timelines and stuff. I mean, we have Cable there, so it's definitely possible. Oh, but Nova's new costume, so I don't know. But anyway, we see this just wanton destruction, you know, which includes Wolverine. Um, yeah. Oh, well, you know what? We have Thor as Thor, too. Odinson. So we have both Thors as Thor. So definitely something going on time stream-wise. But it is Infinity's End, so who knows what's going on with the time. Um, anyway, a great double page spread of just carnage by Allred. Um, and so Kang says, all right, you got to help. And Warlock is reluctant at first, but he kind of is about to agree. And then Kang pushes him through this, uh, electrical field. We hear a voice off panel and Kang says, you're too late. But then he gets burned into like time and his shadow gets burned onto the wall like a flash burn. And that's where we see our adamantium skeleton and complete with the Weapon X helmet. <laughs> and we see some other X-Men memorabilia. We see an old Cerebro helmet, which looks a lot 
I like the one from the Grant Morrison run that maybe Cassandra Nova used. We see a Sentinel head. Uh, looks like maybe an Ultron head. We see what looks like the window from the Sanctum Sanctorum. Magneto's helmet, Zorn's helmet, this really cool grandfather clock that I want in my house, um, an art board you know, with a hard drive sitting next to it, um, some Kirby-esque Fantastic Four-looking machinery, and then, you know, like I said, Wolverine's adamantium skeleton on a stand. Um, we have the Avengers logo from Avengers Tower, uh, a Galactus head maybe, Cyclops visor, just lots of really cool Kirby-looking stuff. Uh, did I mention the Sentinel head? Uh, Professor X is one of his wheelchairs. Um, just lots of, like, collection stuff. So this mysterious guest or person who's, who's Kang is even scared of could be any number of people. So definitely some mystery there. Anyway, Adam Warlock goes back to ancient Egypt where he meets Ramatut, who, of course, we know eventually becomes Kang. And he's like, oh, I knew you were coming. And he traps him in a actual tomb and says, well, now you'll wake up when it's time. And that's kind of where we'll leave off. We're going to get ready for Infinity Countdown number prime. So this, you know, like I said, applies to modern history. He's going to get a nice history of Warlock in this story. Um, like I said, not being real familiar with the character, it was both kind of eye-opening and interesting, but also like, so it felt a little almost too tied to continuity for a quote-unquote new reader, which I am when it comes to Warlock, right? Reading comics a long time. And this guy's fairly new to me. Um, and I do hope to fix that over time, but it'll probably be a while since I'm still, <laughs> I think in 1965 in my overall read-through and already jumped up to, you know, almost to 90 in the flashbacks for the podcast. So, um, yeah, a lot in between there of of cosmic stuff I need to, to get to. But um, anyway, uh, it does make me look forward to the upcoming Infinity storyline. And it gives you a little bit of like what he's about and what he is capable of. Um, I'm never a huge fan of Kang, but I thought this was fine. Um, and we know that Warlock was sent back in time to an Egyptian tomb to be woken when the time is right, which I'm assuming will be now. <laughs> anyway, so the story was, was good. The art was pretty dang amazing. Um, Allred did a great job. The, the Allreds did a great job with the art and the colors. Um, yeah, I would give this a solid, just a very, very solid uh, four out of six claws. So anyway, cool. Well, that's going to do it for this bonus episode. We will wrap up and um, yeah. So next up, uh, assuming everything goes as planned, will be uh, the next episode with Dan and Georgie. And we will talk about the end of all the Phoenix resurrection stuff, get into X-Men Red, and then of course all the other stuff going on um, in the X-Books. So yeah. Uh, please like the Facebook page. Twitter is at SnickCast. Show notes and stuff are SnickCast.Podbean.com. And that's going to do it. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. And snat. <laughs>